good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. If you hadn't noticed, Brother Kirk is our camera operator. Marissa's not with me tonight. Uh, we um, agreed to. <laughs> well, yeah, I did start it. But anyway, uh, Marissa and I have agreed to uh, go to Gilroy for their VBS. And so they had a teacher's meeting today, and she went to that and went ahead and stayed and worshiped with them. So that's where she is tonight. So I'm alone. So y'all have to take care of me, I guess. But anyway, it's good to be here tonight. It's good to see all of you out tonight with us. We are uh, continuing our series now, getting back to the temptations of Jesus. Tonight we're studying the lust of the eyes and how that applies to our lives and what we need to know about the lust of the eyes. And this one was a little bit harder for me to prepare than the other one, uh, trying to figure out exactly what is the lust of the eyes. There aren't as many things that would fall under the category of the lust of the eyes, but it is a temptation nonetheless and one that we need to be aware of. Now, even though we're talking about the temptations of Jesus, the things that he went through, our theme verses for this series are really found in 1 John chapter 2 and beginning with verse 15 and reading through verse 17. 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. As we notice in these verses, there are three types of temptations that we face. We've already noticed the lust of the flesh. Tonight we're looking at the lust of the eyes. And in a couple of weeks, because of our singing night, we'll look at the pride of life. And all of these things we need to be aware of and, and understand how they tempt us. So, our lesson for tonight, as we look at the lust of the eyes, is to look at, at how Jesus was tempted by it, how we are tempted by it, and how we overcome it. As we look at our scripture reading, as we look at what Jesus went through in Luke chapter 4, and beginning with verse 5, we read this, reading through verse 7. We look at the temptation that he faced. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me all will be yours. Now as we look at this, I think all of us may have wondered from time to time, did Satan have authority to follow through with what he promised Jesus? He took him up on this high mountain and he said, all authority I will give you in their glory. But he had the power to deliver. I believe that he did. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have been tempted by it had he not had the authority that he did. 
And you know, the Bible tells us of His power and authority over the world. Three times in the book of John, three times, Satan is referred to as the ruler of this world. Notice what it said in John chapter 12, verses 30 through 32. John 12, verse 30. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. John chapter 14, verses 27 through 31. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. And he has nothing in me but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Finally, in John 16, verses 7 through 11. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart... I will send him to you, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin, because they do not believe in me, of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more, of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And did you notice that in all three of those passages in John, they're all quotes from Jesus Himself. Jesus knew that Satan was the ruler of this world. We understand a little bit more about the power that He was given, the power that He was given over Job and his surroundings. But He was not given power over his life. He could do anything to Job, but he could not take his life. That was a power that was not allowed him. You ask another question. Would such power as Satan offered him been appealing to Jesus, at least at a glance? Yes, it would have been. We understand his father's plan. We understand that Jesus was all about doing his father's will. And under his father's plan, we see that he would overcome 
the authority of Satan. He would overcome the ruler of this world after his death. Did Jesus want to die? No. It wasn't something that he wanted to do, but he knew that he needed to do it. Take into account his words in his prayer in the garden. Notice what it said in Luke 22, beginning with verse 39. Luke 22, verses 39 through 44. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. As I understand it, if, if Satan had followed through with this, if Jesus had given in to the temptation, then yes, he would claim authority over the world. And he wouldn't have had to die. He wouldn't have had to go to the cross. Some religions even teach of an earthly rule on David's throne. However, this was not part of God's plan. For man's redemption. Now we look at this same temptation. We've looked at it from the eyes of Jesus. What he would have seen in this temptation. But how are we tempted by the lust of the eyes? First of all, what is the lust of the eyes? What is this temptation that stands before us. It's best defined as a desire, a want for anything that looks appealing or desirable. Money or financial gain. I think money could also be referred to in some ways as a fleshly lust. I think there are aspects of it that we can identify as the lust of the flesh. But there are also some aspects of money and financial gain that can be seen as lust of the eyes. When we see what other people have and desire it. Physical possessions that do not belong to us. Covetousness is lust of the eyes. Now as we look at the lust of the eyes, as we look at it from a Bible standpoint, a scripture standpoint, we notice that it is addressed in the Ten Commandments. Notice what is said in Exodus 20. Let's notice in particular verse 15 and verse 17. Exodus 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. Another one is in verse 17. You shall not covet. 
your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. As far as stealing is concerned, I think there's implication of a desire of something that someone else has. And so you would steal it. Both of those things are taught against in law. We also notice, as we look at scriptures, that part of Eve's temptation in the Garden of Eden was the lust of the eyes. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Let's notice verses 1 through 7. Genesis 3, beginning with verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, So the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves covering. Now notice what is said in verse 6. And we would think of food as something that would be desirable to the flesh, but it is also desirable to the eyes. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one Wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Because she was tempted by what she saw, she gave in to her temptation. Had sin not looked so good, so desirable, she might have been able to restrain herself. But she couldn't resist what looked good. Now, we ask another question. How do we overcome the lust of the eyes? Now that we know what the lust of the eyes is, now that we see how we might be tempted by it, how do we overcome this temptation? First of all, I want to go back to the temptation of Jesus. We didn't finish reading those verses that deal with this temptation. I want to go back to Luke chapter 4. Let's pick up with verse 6 again and read this time through verse 8. So 
starting with verse 6 and reading through verse 8. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Did you notice how Jesus overcame the temptation? He overcame with Scripture. Looking back to the Old Testament, we see that he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 13. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 13. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him and shall take oaths in His name. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him. Jesus overcame also, not just by Scripture, but by His own will. His will being in tune with His Father's will. He overcame by His will. John chapter 5 and verse 30. Notice that Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Even going back to his childhood, after he had been lost, and his parents had looked for him, and they found him, what did he say to them? In Luke 2 and verse 49, he said, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And before his death, as he prayed to his father, notice what he said in John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. John 17, beginning with verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself. With the glory which I had with you before the world was. As Jesus, all that Jesus did was the will of God. So all we do should be the same. He didn't come to fulfill His own will, but His Father's 
will. And there are some other ways that we can overcome temptation. And particularly the lust of the eyes. There are some things that we need to remember as Christians. Some things that we need to commit to our minds and our hearts. First of all, there are some sayings that I remember. Looks can be deceiving. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. And you can't judge a book by its cover. But when it comes to temptation, as we look at things, then make sure that we're seeing, not through the eyes of the world, not through the eyes that Satan wants us to use, but let's look through the eyes of God and see what truly is. In regard to riches, and the things of this world, the pleasures that this world can provide, the things that look so good to us. We must remember that the riches of this world will fade or fly away. They are only temporary. They're only for a season. One of these days, all the things that we see will be gone. In Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. Proverbs 23, verse 4. Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle. Toward heaven. The things of this world will not last. And so Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're not to lay up treasures in the world. You know, there are so many people who work, work, work all the time to gain more money. Not because of the need to work and provide for our families. But they work for the gain that it provides. And they spend their lives working, working, working to gain riches in this world. But you know, we can't take any of it with us. I remember hearing a story several years ago. I don't know how true it is. It may have just been an illustration. There's a story of a man who is very rich, very wealthy. And he wanted to take everything with him. He had a nice Cadillac. And, and he, he, he made certain specifications for his death and burial. Whenever he was buried, he wanted to be buried in that Cadillac. He wanted to be buried with the engine running, with the air conditioner turned on high, 
And all the money that he had gained, he wanted to throw it in the trunk. He wanted to be buried that way. And so they got a crane and they hooked it to this Cadillac and he was placed in the driver's seat with the engine running and he was buried in his Cadillac. How long do you think that lasted? Our goal is not physical gain, but heavenly gain. It's not what we can get out of this life. It's what we can give to God. And if we give our lives to God, if we sacrifice our lives for Him, if we become a living sacrifice, as Paul tells us to do in Romans 12, then we gain heavenly riches, something that will not pass away, will not be destroyed, will not be stolen. Our goal should not be anything that we can have in this world. Our goal is what we can have in eternity. There's a song that we sing from time to time, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Beautiful song. Wish we had the verses in our book. It does have verses to it. But we need to turn our eyes upon Jesus. We need to fix our sight on Him. Not on this world, not of the things of it, but on Jesus. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 says this. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus, we are to run the race that is set before us. We are to run with endurance. We're to lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares us, every temptation, every lust of the eyes, Everything that would tempt us, for that matter, we are to lay it aside, focusing on Jesus. When we are tempted, there are things that we can do. I heard it mentioned recently that singing is something that helps. Sing a song about God. Sing one of the songs that, that speak of Jesus and how He died on the cross. Remember what He did for us. Remember His great sacrifice. Remember His perfect life so that we can live perfectly before Him. Even though we may not reach it in this life, our goal should be spiritual perfection. A perfection that is only found in the blood of Christ. 
Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on the goal, the heavenly reward that awaits us. And you can overcome any temptation that Satan may throw at you. I hope that we as Christians are overcoming. I hope that we're doing everything in our power to overcome the power of Satan. He does have power in this world. He has the power to tempt us, to try to lead us astray. But we don't have to give in. We don't have to allow Him that power over us. Jesus, Jesus, by His sacrifice, by His death, has overcome sin. And we can overcome with Him if we are obedient. If by faith we repent of our sins, if we confess Christ to be the Son of God, if we're baptized for the remission of our sins, we can overcome sin. We can have our sins washed away. And know that any time after that, that, that if we're willing to turn to God and ask for forgiveness when we fall, that He will grant us that forgiveness. But that as long as we're overcoming, we will not stumble. <coughs> We will not fall. That's something we studied a couple of weeks ago. As long as we're overcoming, He will help us. As long as we're trying and doing our best, He will help us through anything that we face. But maybe it is that someone here tonight, maybe you've given your life to, to Christ, maybe you've been obedient, been baptized for the remission of sins, but maybe you're not overcoming. Maybe you're not remaining faithful. Maybe you're not doing everything in your power to overcome. You've given in to the lust of the eyes or the lust of the flesh or the pride of life. And if you need to come back, if you need to rededicate your life to Him, if you need to ask for forgiveness for something that you've done or even ask for prayer on your back, we'd be glad to provide that need for you. Anything that we can do to help you. We ask that you come as together we stand and as we sing.